This is the Constructionist Podcast, where we take ancient stories, the person of Jesus, current events and topics, and help you construct a new Christian worldview that's relevant and loving to those around you. I'm your host, Kevin Bates. I'm a semiotician and community builder looking at the signs of the times to build a better future together. Tonight, we are starting a short mini-series on other people's holidays. So at The Constructionist, we encourage a worldview that's built on the principles of Christ. And in this episode, we are examining these holidays through a clear and honest lens. We continue this series next week as we're going to take the 23rd of November off for Thanksgiving and continue on the 30th. So by doing these types of discussions, we hope to offer insights and perspectives that will help you in your own journey towards a greater understanding of love and compassion for yourself and others. So we want to assure you that in tonight's episode, we will not be fabricating anything. We're just going to give you the data and the information and the ideas. And if we do make some guesses, we're going to tell you that. And we're also going to tell you where you can find more information on the topic. So our goal is to provide a authentic perspective on our examination. So we call this our thinking space where we're presenting thoughts thoughts. And tonight we're making our best attempt to explain practical theologies to live by. So if you enjoy the Constructionist podcast and want to support us financially, please go to the link in the chat or show notes on the social media platform you're listening to and visit our give page. So your support will enable us to continue producing high quality content like this. But even more important, we want to hear from you and engage with you on direct messaging or email or however you want to message us because we believe through our interactions in discussion with listeners like you, we can continue to learn and grow together. And your valuable feedback, questions, and ideas, we can build a communal hermeneutic of shared explorations of different perspectives. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us and let us know what you think. So Sharia and Jake, thanks for joining me on this episode of Other People's Holidays. So we came up with this because everybody talks about Christmas. Christmas is an important holiday, um, and it's a very dominant holiday in many cultures. So even if you go to different countries that celebrate other holidays for their religions, you will see Christmas sprinkled throughout um, other cultures. Uh, Christmas has been a very dominant holiday for a long time. Christianity is a dominant religion amongst the monotheists. So there is um, a lot of, well, I guess, I guess there's, there's a lot of people that celebrate Christmas all over the world. So we're not saying that Christmas is not important. I just think that other religions have other holidays to honor and to think about and to maybe even just view or even participate in that they don't need to be forgotten and they don't need to be thought of as secondary or not necessary because for many, many, many centuries, people have celebrated different holidays for different reasons. It's not necessarily different gods, but different cultural ideas or maybe different um, different familial traditions. So holidays are celebrated for different reasons, not necessarily for religious reasons. So we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to start with just a two major categories of 
religion. And we want to keep this in mind that there are many categories of religion, but the super, super mega, I guess, um, mondo religions would be put in two different categories. And one would be monotheism. <clears throat> and then the second category is the Vedic face or Veda face. And Veda is the precursor or the pre-religion to India and Hinduism. So out of then Hinduism, then you have lots of different branches and different movements of religion within Hinduism, birthing out Buddhism and such things. So you have monotheists and then you have the Vedics. So today we're going to focus on the monotheists. We do have um, two or, or multiple categories of monotheism, but let's just call it two. The first category of monotheism would be the Abrahamic faiths. So that would be um, that would be Judaism, that would be Christianity, and that would be Islam, birthed in that order. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Those are the Abrahamic monotheistic faiths. There are many other monotheistic faiths, though, and that would be, let's say, the second category. All monotheism means is to believe that there's only one divine power, <clears throat> to believe that there's only one deity, all supreme being of the universal cosmos referred to as God. So that's what monotheism is. And I guess a, a, a distinction of monotheism is exclusivity. So exclusivity of this is the God. Uh, there are... Um, there are different kinds of monotheisms that probably would accept other types of secondary or, or lower categories of gods. But for the most part, monotheism is the singular existence and exclusivity of this is the uh, God. So they steer away from... I guess pluralism, they steer away, monotheists, monotheists steer away from uh, multiple gods or multiple god forms and things uh, like that. I would say that the religious system then around monotheism or around the worship of one god then points all of those holidays or all of those celebratory times towards that one God. So when I was saying that that there's holidays that people celebrate that don't necessarily pertain to the religion or pertain to the gods, those you will see more in the Vedic faiths. But in the monotheistic faiths, you pretty much have most of the major holidays being pointed towards this singular existence of God. But some things that I learned this week, I did not know that Baha'i was a, considered a monotheistic faith. I thought there was a couple of, couple of um, deities in the Baha'i faith, uh, but they would be considered a monotheistic uh, faith, just like Christianity's monotheistic. Baha'i faith is monotheistic. Um, Sikhism is monotheistic. Even certain forms of Hinduism are monotheistic if you choose one of the manifestations of Vishnu. So you you have like Shaivism or Vaishnavism. There are a couple of 
religions or traditions within Hinduism that honestly they would be categorized and fall under the rubric of monotheism. So of course Islam and Judaism, but how about uh, Zoroastrianism? I can't even say that. <laughs> Zoroastrianism. Yeah, thank you. That is considered a monotheistic faith. Uh, Yahwism and some ancient Chinese religions are monotheistic. So we're going to camp on Abrahamic monotheism versus this other kind of just this wholesale category of monotheism that includes all of them. We're going to we're going to um, camp on these. Why? Because, well, I would say that we know them the most. We know them the best. We've researched and done our our homework for many years on either Judaism or, or Christianity or Islam. And so we're picking Judaism first, and then we'll go into the Islamic faith. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I, I would say that the holidays that are celebrated become very limited um, and very focused towards the celebration of this one exclusive singular existence of God or the acts or the power or the performance of that God. Can I, so can I so either in worshiping that God or the acts of what that God did. I think the, the word that we're looking for is monolatry and it's the worship of one God, even though there's beliefs in other God, like you can believe there's other gods, but oh, which one, yeah. which one do you put forth? Like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Ju Judaism did not become monotheist until <clears throat> well into the 400s uh, mm. CE, and so yeah, so the idea that like we worship one God, Christianity mm -hmm. has had to have this huge wordplay hurdle to become monotheist through the Trinity, right? Right, right. And so even though we say we're monotheists functionally we're polytheists that's kind of interesting i think uh, but now judaism and islam that we're going to talk about today are i think are the most monotheist religions that we have well what's interesting is most religions have a holiday that declares when that God was declared God. So the, like Babism, right? In Babism, they have a holiday and their major holiday is when they declared Bob, not Bob, Bab, right? They declared Bab the God. Um, that is, I, I guess, just the declaration of their founding of their their faith we don't as christians or as you know in the mono abrahamic monotheistic faith uh we don't declare that day you know when like the shema we don't declare or we don't celebrate around the shema in a sense um as christians so so that's really interesting yeah. that most other faiths like 
Buddha's birthday, like Buddha Buddha Day, or when you know the Nirvana Day. Um, in Let's, other faiths, can we that's go back when to the Shalara fast? Do you want to explain yeah. that is? Um, I am the Lord. The Lord God is one. So, so that de de declaration in the Torah is the Shema that God is one. That idea that God is our God and God is one. That is a that is the um, statement of Shema, and the Shema is not necessarily like we don't have a holiday in August right that says this is when we declared that or god declared to us that he was our one god um because before that you know abraham would have been a polytheist um it's actually referred to in ancient hebrew um god is referred to as you know the rock or the great or the the sky or the you know there's different connotations of of the elohim um that is kind of declared as as almost polytheistic in nature so so abraham would have been polytheistic and just i just found that an interesting point when you brought that up is monotheism is this idea that we believe in this god and this other word you used i can't remember right now um is monolatry. the belief in that one god what is it monolatry yeah, yeah. That one God, you believe in that one God, and then there's many other gods that you can believe in. You worship I think, that one God, and then you. Yeah. I think that's probably where uh, Abraham um, came up with uh, that, um, or that that's what Abraham went through, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move to Judaism. That's where we're going to okay. start, and we're going to talk just openly and honestly about Judaism and just what uh, what holidays Jews celebrate. And there's more than Hanukkah, so we're going to talk more than Hanukkah. So, Shrey, you're going to take this section, so lead us mm -hmm. out. Okay, um, i got to choose your own adventure thing. Do you want to start at the beginning of the year, or do you want to start at the winter holiday? Why don't we start at the winter holiday? Because that's okay. where we're at. We're leading up into is, Christmas. Yeah. And so we, we should start at the winter holiday of these. Yeah. All right. So that is, in fact, Hanukkah. Yes. Um, so Hanukkah is an eight-day celebration. Uh, this year it falls on December 7th through December 15th. Um, it's the Festival of Lights, and it commemorates the revolution led by... Um, Judah the Maccabee to drive the Greeks out of Israel and reclaim the temple. Uh, we find this story in the Apocrypha in the books of first and second Maccabees. So if you want to look it up there, you can. Um, part of the story goes during this revolution as they're in the temple, they tried to light the temple menorah, but only had enough olive oil for one day. Um, and that olive oil lasted eight days until a new ritually pure batch of olive oil could be made. And it was a miracle, the miracle of light. So this is celebrated by placing a new candle on the menorah or lighting a new candle on the menorah each night um, for eight nights to celebrate those eight days of the olive oil lasting. 
Um, the menorah is placed in a window where it's visible. Um, and then prayers are recited, blessings are recited, um, songs are sung. It's common to um, enjoy foods that are fried in oil. Again, hearkening back to that olive oil miracle. Um, it's common to play the dreidel, um, which is like a almost like a gambling game. Um, and then it's common to get gifts or money, particularly to children. Hmm. I only think of Adam Sandler at Crazy Nights when I think of Hanukkah. Um, <laughs> yep. I, I wish I had more of a context for it. That's all I got. You want to know a weird one? What, what? comes to mind for me is Rugrats. Oh. Rugrats did a Hanukkah episode. Okay. What comes to mind for me, and this is going to be pretty sad, is I had Adam Sanders, my neighbors. So I don't know if, if it's well, my neighbors are Jewish, and and they put out a Hanukkah, uh, and a and a menorah candle and a, a star David and stuff out at Hanukkah time, starting on the 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 when does it start? Give me the start date, Shreya. Uh, twelve seven. So, so not every year, at, but this year, that's what it is. Okay. <clears throat> so, so they put out a, the symbols um, during Hanukkah and they're the only ones on the street that celebrate Hanukkah. And it, mm -hmm. and it reminds me, it reminds me of how um, Jews over a long period of time have been just an oppressed nation that they are just at this like, like put into a category or they're they're um thought of as this small group and so so when you include a menorah candle like in a city celebration or the lighting of the christmas tree um in one of the towns that i uh lead an organization in we have a, a we have a menorah candle or excuse me we have a um yeah a menorah candle at the bottom of this big Christmas tree and everything is about the big Christmas tree. Nothing is about the menorah candle. And I'm trying to figure out this year because I lead that or a uh, celebration. I'm trying to figure out this year how to point our attention to the menorah candle and, uh, and so I, I think we can get there, but it's going to be, it's, for some people, it's going to be a rub, like you, you're you're doing something else besides a Christmas tree mm -hmm. and the star at the top, uh, and and it just seems like that the the menorah candle or the Hanukkah celebration, um, is sometimes forgotten, and that makes me sad. And then when it is remembered, it's just a tokenism. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's you know. I would say that as a Christian, uh, that's where we came from. So, <laughs> so to actually, you know, give honor to where we came from is pretty important. Mm -hmm. So Hanukkah, um, how are ways that, are there any ways that Christians can celebrate Hanukkah? Can we? Um, I mean, I think the best way would be to celebrate with your Jewish friends. 
-hmm. rather than hold your own independent holiday because that's appropriation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make your best attempt at latkes, but. Yeah. (laughs) What? We're going to have French fries for Hanukkah. Well, I would say those are latkes or latkes or however you pronounce that, latkes. (laughs) Um, So I would. I would say the fried food, potato food, um, we can make our yep. best attempt at that. But I think uh, participating in um, where we can in somebody else's yeah. celebration and and just being present for it is is I think bring your neighbors boring. some latkes. Right here's my best attempt, <laughs> <laughs> and then they actually give you some good ones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do we have any rituals, like some significant rituals besides the menorah candle that is that is done during, I guess, food, the menorah candle? Food, and yeah. Then... Gift giving. Yeah. Singing okay. songs and of... reciting blessings. Got it. What kind of uh, what kind of gifts are given? Did you do any research on the gifts? I didn't. Um, I don't. I don't know if there's any particular thing that you're supposed to give. Um, I did see that money was the most traditional thing to give. Um, okay. Yeah. The what I read, the way it was worded, was that because this is a consumeristic society, it's moved more to gifts rather than money. Okay. Yeah. Because ki- kids want to <laughs> give. Uh, kids want. Kids want to get gifts, right? Mm-hmm. I remember um, I remember my brother had a really good friend that was Jewish. I think his last name was Spielman. And, and we didn't participate in his, in his, you know, holiday, but we were very aware as children um, of his holiday. He was a, he was a grammar school friend of my brother's. Mm-hmm same grade and they used to give um chocolate coins and so the chocolate coins was the can't remember i i'm just gonna look it up here really quick um does it have to actually like jubilee or anything it's hanukkah gelt and Mm -hmm. so hanukkah gelt is the representation of money given but it's it's a well, a lot of what we got was chocolate covered gelt or chocolate gelt. So it's a it's a right. fake coin that is made in the shape of of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Jake, I'm not aware of a connection to Jubilee. Hmm. Hmm. That's something that we could actually do. Um, as Christians, as we could give Hanukkah guilt um, to people, just as a symbol and a reminder of this is Hanukkah, or maybe have that out um, in our offices in a bowl or something that people could, you know, because we put chocolate mm-hmm. out for other holidays like yeah. Halloween and such. And so we could do that um, in honor of that, not to appropriate, not to, you know, take somebody's holiday, but maybe just to actually maybe put a sign that we're, we remember Hanukkah 
during this time or something like that. We don't want to be toke or just, you know, tipping our hat to it. So especially if we have Jewish people around us and Jewish people in our office building or in our, in our places of work of some kind, I think it would be important to see what they wanted um, as a representation of their holiday, not just to dominate with a Christmas tree and, and star at the top. So what other Jewish holidays do we have outside of winter? Yeah. So as we follow the calendar year, um, the next major holiday would be Purim, which occurs um, in 2024. It's going to be from March 23rd through March 24th. It's a one day celebration, but because of the Jewish observance of holidays and how the day works, right? There was evening and morning the first day. Mm-hmm. The holiday starts on the evening of the 23rd through the start of the evening on the 24th. And that is a one day holiday. And so, what is, what is the significance of it? Of Purim? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that celebrates the salvation of the Jewish people from mm. Haman's plot to, I mean, essentially exterminate the Jewish people. Um, it was this in Babylon. It was in Babylon. Um, and they were saved by the actions of Mordecai and Esther. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So Purim um, is observed by reading the book of Esther, by giving money to the poor, by giving gifts of food, um, by celebrating, having a feast, um, dressing up in costumes. Uh, what I read is that it is a time to let your hair loose. Interesting. Okay, cool. So that's a one day holiday. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it is a big party. A big party. Pronounce it one more time for me. Purim. 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 Okay. P-U-R-I-M. <laughs> Purim. Okay. Very good. All right. Let's just continue on then. Let's Yep. Next one is Passover. And this is gonna occur next year. Um on April 22nd through April 30th. We're fairly familiar with Passover. Um, We've gotten to participate in Passover feasts um, in Resonate's history, but um, it follows the Exodus story. So celebrating um, the liberation of the Israelites out of Egypt. Um, It's practiced by removing all leaven from the home, um, by holding the Passover Seder, where you eat the bitter herbs and the matzah and the four cups of wine and everything on the table is representative of something in that Exodus story. Which I didn't go super in depth on Passover because many of us have experience with this one. Those who don't have experience that are listening, Mm -hmm. um, Passover or the Seder, the meal or the time that you spend, uh, some interesting points, and maybe we can just jump in and share interesting things that we've learned during Passover. But from a Jewish perspective, and when you do a traditional Jewish Passover, uh, you pray a blessing over the meal um, after, or you pray the blessing of the meal 
after the whole thing is over. So a major difference between like our grace before meals and their grace at Passover is their, their prayer of blessing of the food is at the end. I, I found that very interesting because it was almost like not mystical. It was, hey, we've eaten this food, so bless it to our bodies. Actually, we actually are in real time asking for this to happen. Um, so I thought that that was kind of an interesting concept. But the metaphor of, of Passover um, is quite beautiful um, as it relates to the Exodus uh, narrative mm -hmm. and that that story. Um, do you do you two have any like special experiences with well, Passover you want to share? It's the most unknown recognized holiday in the Christian tradition because mm -hmm. communion or Eucharist or whatever, mm -hmm. ever you want to call it. If your if your church does do that or you do that. Um, that's hearkening to the Passover every single time. And so right. the dipping of the bread, the taking of, of communion is, is a Passover portion. And mm -hmm. so uh, we just have adopted that pretty heavy in Christianity. And so it makes a lot of sense when you're sitting down and you're, and you're breaking the bread in three pieces and you're hiding one and one's found and it's hidden away. And, um, there's a lot of metaphor around it. And I think that we have to be careful not to uh, be an anachronistic with our, our take of Passover to, to Christian wash it. Mm -hmm. Well, let me just ask you a question. Isn't that what Jesus did? <sighs> Jesus did a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just throwing that out there, I just, I just was wondering. I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, although, like metaphors and stuff were used, but to just say that is the only thing that it is, is is wrong. Like this can be nothing else oh. but mm -hmm. this is this is the fulfillment of Passover, the Seder. This is like it. It makes sense to us. But as we're, as hopefully you're, you're not just doing Seder with, with Christian people and you have Jewish people and other people there with you, um, it means something much different to them as well. Um, but yeah, Jesus' use of scripture and metaphor uh, would not fly in, in what, how we use it today. What what uh, rules of engagement with it? When you said anachronistic, I was thinking, how much more anachronistic can you get from using something that is ancient that other people did, and including yourself, and then just calling that yourself? Oh, by the way, <laughs> this cup is me. It's my blood, <laughs> and this bread is me. <laughs> so. <laughs> I just kind of laughed when you said that because it's kind of, kind of yes. um, adopting it. I think I think it's better for Jesus to say that than to us to say this is us. Right, right, totally. But um, yeah, rules of engagement with with tradition and text would not fly today. 
like how how do you just use scripture and how do you just use metaphor it's different than we're allowed to and should be it's it's we could have a whole segment on that well i think christians christians are very um many christians i won't say all christians many many christians are very surface level and so they they're not dug deep into their bibles they're not looking at old testament traditions we call that um, they don't they don't know the meanings of certain things so at first glance right when you like see something or something's introduced you're you're just totally you might be enamored with the subject or you might be enamored with the ritual or the act and then you read all of your own experiences and contexts and if those experiences and contexts are just christian and a certain branch of christian you just start adopting those and so we'll see there's jesus there and there's jesus there and look at jesus here and and that's really kind of i think dangerous theology but a lot of people do that um oh yeah and then to finally have them realize that jesus was jewish Oh yeah, it's just for some people that is just a mind, mind blower. Though. Well, I mean, just think about just think about how many people actually know the reason for, for the Christmas tree, you know, where the actual Christmas tree came. People don't even know, like they don't even care. You know, they just put it up every year, and that's in week three, though. <laughs> yeah, we can do yeah. we can do Yule, Sanheim, and Tannenbaum. Mm -hmm. We need to. We'll, that'll be on the thirtieth. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, because we just adopt things and we don't even know where they, the roots of them come from, or we read things into something because we don't know where the roots of where they come from. Sharia, give us a, give us a, a little special experience. Have you ever had a special experience with Passover? Um, I think just the way the things on the plate are meant to bring you into the story. Mm. So you're not just hearing the story, but you're, you're meant to be a participant. Um, so for example, eating, eating enough horseradish to make you cry, um, over the loss of the temple or, um, like dipping the, the bitter herbs in salt to represent, bitterness and tears um it's meant to be participatory it's meant to help you to find yourself in the story um because the exodus story is one of liberation and so it invites current participants to also work towards liberation mm. awesome well i think that passover is a beautiful celebration and i think every christian especially if you know you want to know the history and the backdrop of communion eucharist i think it's really important that we spend time with passover uh this is where the concept of the afe komen comes from where the hidden bread and then the children go and find the hidden bread. Um, this is where that idea of breaking that bread and doing this in remembrance of me, that's, that is the Passover meal. 
um, the search for the Holy Grail, that cup of blessing, that new covenant, which is in my blood, do this in remembrance of me, that idea of the Holy Grail, which some people think that they have it in a church, um, probably in France or Spain. Other people think that uh, it's still lost. So the search for the Holy Grail, Monty Python, um, that idea of the Holy Grail is, uh, is, is, you know, that chalice that Jesus would have had during Passover. So Indiana Jones oh, it, so it's okay. Oh, is it Indiana Jones? Isn't it Monty Python too? Weren't they on oh, the yeah. search for the Holy yeah. Grail? There's, there's a lot of that. Yeah, there's a lot of that. So whether it be, uh, Indiana Jones or, um, or the Monty Python series, um, it's just an interesting study to actually walk through and to participate in, especially with Jewish people, especially with Jewish people that actually can walk you through the Exodus version of that um, celebration of that of that meal. All right, Sharia, take us through some more. Yep, I got three more. Are we going to get out of Judaism on this episode? (laughs) We may not. We might not. Three more. Um, And the next one is Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year. Um, And this falls in September this coming year. Or no, never mind. This year, 2023. It was September, um, September 15th. Next year, it will be early October, October 2nd, because... Hebrew holidays follow the Hebrew calendar, not what is this one? The Julian calendar? Gregorian. Gregorian. Thank you. Um, so Rosh Hashanah is a a makeshift Gregorian calendar is based on solar and not moon. Right. Jewish new year. Um, it's considered one of the high holidays, um, And so in the morning, on both mornings, the shofar is blown, usually in the synagogue. And so that's kind of a call to worship, um, a call to pay attention, um, signaling that these are holy days. Um, Rosh Hashanah involves a feast. There's usually challah bread, uh, apples dipped in honey, and other sweet treats, um, which represent a desire for a sweet year ahead. Um, this holiday also involves candle lighting and a refrain from creative work. Hmm. Interesting. That's pleasant. That yeah. Is nice. Yeah. So that's Rosh Hashanah. Um, and then 10 days later is Yom Kippur. Wow, Yom so Kippur it is. Seems huh? like those two back to back. Wow. They, there's a lot of Jewish holidays grouped in the fall and the winter. And those are considered um, high holy days. Both of those are high holy days. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are both high holidays. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Yom Kippur is uh, 10 days after. It's the Day of Atonement and is the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. Mm. Um so it is um, hearkening back to after the golden calf incident when Moses went up the mountain to plead with God and then descended back down the mountain. 
sins were forgiven, day of atonement, everything is brought back to oneness. Um, historically, the high priest would offer incense and prayers in the Holy of Holies. Um, and then this is also marked by the blowing of the shofar in the morning. It includes um, reciting Psalm 27, and all of this is meant to build an atmosphere of reverence. Um, it involves can imagine, five can prayer you imagine services. imagine my neighbors doing that? That would be awesome if my neighbors did that in the morning. Around. Just right out in the middle of the cul-de-sac. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right there. Right there. Yes. <laughs> um, most of the day is spent at the synagogue. There are five prayer services throughout the day. Um, and the Day of Atonement also involves a fast. This is a fast from food and drink, from bathing, from sex, and from leather footwear, which represents um, comfort. Oh, okay. So it's about um, like depriving oneself. Um, so soft Uggs end... would be okay because <laughs> that's comfort. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I mean, maybe if they're fake leather. Okay. Um, and then you end the fast with a feast at the end of the Day of Atonement. So... I have known Yom, Yom Kippur uh, just with food that you're not even allowed to like even touch food that day. Mm. Like not even okay. prepare it. So, I, and maybe I'm wrong there. I'm just kind of reflecting back on, on my history with that holiday. Is that similar to Sh Shabbat where you're, where cooking involves work, so you're not allowed to. I think so. mm -hmm. It's creation. Yeah, you're not. Mm -hmm. You're not. I think. I think, and maybe we can just do some quick looks lookups. That Yom Yom Kippur is a. Uh, there's something to do with food that you can't like. You can't get ready for the feast. The feast has to be like a together experience. Or at least so, like you I'm, put it together before together. the fast starts, or you gotta yeah. cater it. Or you have to put it together together in the end. So, okay. Yeah. But maybe we can uh, do a quick deep dive. Okay, keep going because we're... Uh... Last one. Okay. Last one of the major holidays anyways. There there are minor holidays also. Right. Um, this one occurs five days later. And this is Sukkot or the Festival of Booths. So a Sukkot is an outdoor hut that is covered in vegetation and it commemorates the journey from Egypt to the promised land. So remembering the days of wandering in the wilderness, there is no work on the first day of Sukkot. Um, it's a seven day celebration. So you're living in this booth for seven days. Um, and another one of the rituals that is a part of Sukkot, it's called the taking four kinds. So the kinds are different kinds of vegetation. Um, traditionally a citron, which is a citrus fruit, a palm frond, a myrtle twig, and a willow twig. And so you'll hold these in a bunch and wave them in the six directions, north, south, east, west, up and down. Um, and this represents unity in diversity in Israel. This is so. What's the food 
um, that they have during the Festival of Booths? I didn't find anything about any special food. <clears throat> but you're cooking outdoors, I, I, you're eating in your in your booth. Yeah. So Jake and I have a friend named Bruce. And we were having lunch with Bruce uh, one day. And he said that he had to um, he had to run because he had to get to a another dinner. And oh, that's fun. Where are you going to dinner? And we thought he was going out to dinner. Oh no, we're having dinner um, with some friends. And what is the booth called again? To draw it at it. Sukkot. A Sukkot. Sukkot. So he said we are going to have a a, a dinner um, in the Sukkot. And, and you know, of course, we're we're having lunch with him, and Jake and I look at each other like, well, we know we know that word, and. <laughs> And Jake looks at me and goes, you mean the Festival of Booths? Like that? And he said, yeah. Like, like, how did you know? Um, and so <laughs> it was just kind of like a funny there that we connected all those dots. And then he described um, his friends, how they built this Sukkot and how they had this outdoor kind of thing mm -hmm. um, with the covering the specific to what you described. Okay. And then they were having dinner underneath um, this Sukkot. They, he had made mention that there was some kind of, you know, special food. And maybe that was just for them that they decided on what that food Family was. Family tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or whatever. But, um, but I thought that that was just kind of a, I have never in my 51 years of life ever had anyone mentioned to me that they were going to go and have dinner in the Sukkot for the festival of booths. I was just like, okay, that's a first. That's awesome. So anyway, that was just kind of a special connection to that holiday. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Any other ones, Dre? So that's that. No, that brings us back around to Hanukkah. So what are some minor holidays? Like there's, there's minor ones that, that I've looked up before. Um, and of course, every week there's the, the Sabbath, the Shabbat. Um, the Sabbath is very unique to Jews because it's, it's supposed to be in, you know, very, um, you know, strict tradition supposed to be adhered to very carefully. Now, Christians have adopted um, the Sabbath. We know that when Sabbath in Scripture is talked about, Sabbath in Scripture in the New Testament is usually in reference to eternal life. And so the ultimate eternal Sabbath is heaven. Um, and, and so we know that that's a metaphor in the New Testament. There are some Christians who practice Sabbath just as a healthy routine. I think it's healthy to take a day off, but there's no strict boundaries or edges to their Sabbath. Mm -hmm. They're just doing their thing, reading their books and I mean, with, taking with a day blue off. laws. There definitely used to be. There used to be. Yeah, there used Especially to be. Well, I would say that there was blue laws that gave the day off of Sabbath or a day off of commerce economy. Um, but I would definitely 
I would definitely say there was no boundary edges or rituals around that that blue law day. Um, but I would I would say that probably seventh day is probably the only Christian tradition besides, you know, smaller like of the mega Christian branches. I would say seventh day is probably the most well-known uh, Christian group that has strict rules around the Sabbath. Um, so we have Sabbath every week uh, for mm -hmm. Jews. That is um, the, the time frame from sundown to sundown on Friday night to Saturday night. Um, that is their tradition of, of Sabbath. Uh, no working, no, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> not a lot of preparation of food, uh, things like that. So, so we have that one that would be considered a, a, a celebration or a holy day, mm -hmm. holiday, a holy day. I think, um, the cool thing with Sabbath and what I think Western Christians put Sabbath in the, in the category of self care. Mm -hmm. which is yeah. necessary and needed. Um, mm -hmm. Yet Sabbath is more about other care and that when mm -hmm. you yeah. stop, when you stop buying and when you stop uh, making people work that mm -hmm. uh, you're allowing the poorest to rest. Right. I try to, I try my very best on high holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas mm -hmm. high holidays, meaning just cultural American holidays. Right. Yeah. Uh, that I really try not to go shopping. I don't, our um, cafes are closed on Thanksgiving day. I don't want to participate in mm -hmm. the economy on Thanksgiving. Um, because it's a popular day for people to run around and buy stuff. And I more think that there's so just something, too, yeah. yeah, there's just something that doesn't feel right at this moment in my life. Um, I remember working Thanksgiving and Christmas and I hated it. I always felt taken from and that my boss was mean. <laughs> and so <laughs> I just, and, and we got over it, but it was a recovery. Like there was recovery. And if you have to go through recovery from working on a day, um, there's something Maybe wrong there. Work in a restaurant. <laughs> you must be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I think that. Yeah. Uh, I think there's just something inherently like, like a little bit wrong with that. I'm not trying to judge anybody for um, making their employees work because hospitals they have to be open, um, and I honor that. Uh, but that's necessity. Uh, that's like frontline worker stuff. Um, a coffee cafe is not frontline worker stuff. So we were called that though. Yeah, we were called essential <laughs> workers. <laughs> so I think that there's because we were caffeinating said, doctors yeah. and nurses. There it is. I think there's something you said. If you're a business owner, uh, just a word to business owners. I would say that making space and room for your employees to have days that they celebrate. So making room for your employees to 
have Sunday morning off if they if they go to church or a, a, a Friday, Saturday night, Sunday night service or whatever. Um, ha making space that if you do that, then I think that you, well, and I think without being discriminatory, you have to, to do more than that and to look at other people's holidays and say, well, what are, what's important to my employees? And some will say, that's not important to me. Um, and you're like, okay, it's not important to you, then I won't make emphasis of it. But some people are very traditional, want to participate in their religious practices. And, and I think making space for that um, is important. So, so I think that as, a, as an employer, um, uh, we should probably think through at least, think through. Uh, being closed on certain days and honoring, giving the Sabbath, like giving some days of rest. How about just being closed intermittently through the year? Like we're just closed for uh, staff recovery, staff reprieve. We're giving our staff a paid day off and we're going to be closed on Monday today. Um, I think that that's, mm -hmm. that's important. So... <laughs> Um, well, I think that that pretty much took our time for this episode, and I, it was very good. And I really appreciated, Sherea, your research and thoughts in it. And so we're going to continue this mini-series. You never know, it might turn into six weeks. But we're going to continue this <laughs> mini-series uh, next week with Islam. Um, maybe we'll get into some Vedics as well, but we'll talk about Islam next week in the Muslim faith and how they participate or what holidays they participate through. As we continue with the monotheists, uh, the specifically the Abrahamic monotheists with next week with Islam, and then we'll go into Hinduism and Buddhism the following uh week maybe we're not sure but we'll we'll uh we'll come up with the schedule on the fly as we go so thanks for joining us tonight if you want to support us go to resonatelife.org go to the give page that'll be in the show notes of the social media social media platform that you listen to so with that good night jake good night shreya thanks for joining us